0: listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, coming to you from Fukushima Prefecture here in Japan, it is getting closer and closer to summer. If you're listening to this, it will be after June. So that means that things are getting hot. Things are getting muggy. I hope you have got your summer planned out. We'll be talking about that a little bit more over the next episode or so, but it's really important to start thinking about it now, right? If you want to be booking flights to perhaps go somewhere you this year, you might be out of luck. I was thinking, oh. Mm, if I really could somehow manage to swing it that we could go to New Zealand this year, how much would that cost me? And I went onto the Air New Zealand website to see that there were no flights. And I was just looking at it going, what? What? <laughs> Where are all the flights? And there were just none. And I heard from a friend that you know they haven't been planning too far in advance their flight schedule because. Of the changes that the Japanese government keeps making to how many people will be allowed into the country and all of that. But yes, chances are you might miss out. So make sure you get in there and organize things if you're going home this summer. Anyway, on to today's episode for today. So today's guest is Michelle Fuji. She is one of the wonderful women, international women living here in Japan, but representing Kansai today. So she's down at uh, near Osaka. She holds a master's degree in Japanese language and culture. And so she has a sort of a different way of looking at Japan as well as living here and working here. She's worked as a freelance translator, a textbook editor, an English teacher, and now she works at Kansai's University Institute for Innovative Global Education. That sounds pretty cool, right? We'll hear more about that in the episode. But something that is really interesting that we spoke about today was how Michelle decided that she wasn't just going to let things keep going as they were when she sort of woke up one day and realized that things have changed or she's changed and it's time to make a change. So. We talk a little bit about that, but also how she rediscovered the tale of Genji. And you may have heard of this very, very famous book written by Murasaki Shikibu in the Heian period. So we're talking thousand plus years ago, right? And how it's one of the first novels in the world that's sort of a recognized novel or something. Anyway, Michelle talks more about it. She knows more about it than I do. And I just thought, well, wouldn't that be great to have someone to be able to make stuff like this more accessible to us, especially you're in Japan, but when you go around your day, if you think about it, how many actual Japanese things do you do, and how much is just, you know, your daily life, do you take advantage of living in this amazing country that we are, you know, get to live in, or, uh, you know, are you wasting your chances here while you are here, so That was something that got me thinking after speaking with Michelle. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Mm. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jane. Yeah. So I have never met you in person and I know you from LinkedIn. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) A LinkedIn friend and... I've been looking at your posts and things, and I just thought it was really interesting the things that you're doing down there in Kansai, so representing Kansai today. Yes, thank you so much. So it's great to have you on the show. So yeah, please introduce yourself for uh, the listeners and for me as well. (laughs) Let us know (laughs) more about you. Where are you from? Why are you in Japan? And how is it that we're talking today? Yeah, sure. So I'm Michelle Fujii
1: well, since it's a podcast, you can't see me, but I am not Japanese, though a lot of people do make that mistake when they see the last name. Um, Mm. I'm an American, born and raised in the U.S., and I came to Japan for the first time on study abroad when I was 20 and met my husband at Kansai Gaidai University. Yeah, Mm. so I was only supposed to be there for one semester, uh, started dating, and then decided to make it a full year, and that kind of yeah. yeah, it ended up kind of changing the course of my life, actually. Um, I didn't know then that we were going to end up getting married, but it also changed my major in college mm. for my undergraduate degree. So I originally started out as um, a journalism major. And then when I decided to spend a full year abroad, I uh, ended up needing to do a double major. So designed a second major in Japanese language and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that all sort of came together. Um, after I graduated, I did the JET program. So I spent three years teaching at an elementary school in Shiga prefecture uh, as an ALT. And after that, went back to the U.S. engaged. So that's a little bit about sort of how all that kind of got started. Um, My interest in Japan goes back a lot farther than that. But that was pretty much the beginning.
0: Yeah. Tell us about this first interest in Japan. What was it that set you on this path to even come to Japan for that first time?
1: You know, it's going to sound so embarrassing, but I think it was Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> really, Pokemon?
0: Yeah.
1: Pokemon, yeah. So I think I was about ten or eleven. Those games came out. I'm dating myself by saying this, but uh, I'm yeah, feeling even older, out.
0: okay? Because I was grown up by the time Pokemon came out. <laughs> All right
1: then. All right then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that sort of sparked a love for Japanese pop culture, um, which changed over time. In college, I started reading. lot of manga, getting into Mm. anime and things like that. I think sort of the typical journey um, a lot of people have when they develop an interest in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that evolved over time. Once I did my study abroad, I actually chose my undergraduate university um, based on the fact that they had study abroad programs. Mm -hmm. And after I did the study abroad, I found that interest kind of evolving and deepening and changing to more the traditional side of Japanese culture. so I have a very deep love for Japanese history, um, traditional arts. I unfortunately have never tried uh, any of the really popular ones myself, like um, kimono or, or tea ceremony or anything like that. But I'd love to someday. I, I ended up doing yeah. um, my master's degree also in Japanese language and culture based on that, too.
0: OK, so can you call yourself a Japanologist? Is that?
1: Can I? Yeah. That's a great question. Can I? Uh, the answer is, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, um, I want. Yeah, I don't like the, the term fake it till you make it. But I do like that somebody once told me that you can consider yourself an expert in something as long as you know more about it than the person you're talking about it with. Okay. Yeah. So I'll call <laughs> myself a Japanologist, um, obviously, because that's, that's my area of, of expertise. That's my degree. But also that sort of comes from rebranding myself in this past year i've had a lot of different jobs Um, they sort of i don't know serendipitously or fortuitously sort of look like they are intentionally connected with all of each other when you look at them on my resume on a piece of paper but in reality they really weren't it was kind of a bunch of opportunities that fell into my lap that brought me to where i am now and i'm working at a university in kansai not in a teaching capacity but doing coordinating virtual exchange programs for universities in the US and Japan. And it's been a couple of years. And, you know, I just am not feeling, I haven't and hadn't been feeling for, for the last year or so that I was really following my passion. Why did I come here? What made me interested in Japan in the first place? And, you know, when I really sat down and thought about that, it was research and learning and digging into all of these really cool aspects of Japanese culture that I just have always interested me. So I decided that I was just going to rebrand myself on LinkedIn. And that has turned out to be actually one of the best decisions that I've made in the last five years. Oh, Um,
0: really? Mm. Yeah.
1: I have decided to make a lot of meaningful connections on LinkedIn. So not really reaching out to just people who are in my current field, which is virtual exchange, but reaching out to people who are connected to Japan in some way are living here, have made a life here, or, or who are fellow Japan, just fellow Japan researchers. And now my LinkedIn feed is just, it's awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> better than anything I could have ever imagined, really. Mm. I mean, it's social media on the next level. It's, it's almost like LinkedIn knows what I want to learn about. And it shows mm. me mm. everyone and everything that has everything to do with it. And so, yeah, I've gotten a lot of opportunities since rebranding myself as a Japanologist that I never would have if I hadn't just decided to say, you know what, I have this knowledge, put it out there. And everybody who um, has connected with me so far seems to agree that I have some amount of knowledge (laughs) on this topic to call (laughs) myself a Japanologist and just go for it.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. Well, first of all, that little gold nugget about LinkedIn, I think it's one of the underrated social media platforms out there. Isn't it really like, yeah, I've just started using it more seriously in the last year as well. And yeah, just found it to be a real sort of a bright spot in, in social media amongst, you know, you could be Facebook or Instagram, but when you go in there, yeah, you learn stuff and people are posting really interesting things that are going on in the world or in Japan or whatever it is that you want to learn about, to know more about And yeah, you get to meet people who are very, very interesting and doing lots of interesting things as well. So yes, that is our little gold nugget for this episode (laughs) is get yourself on LinkedIn and name and claim your space like you've done, Michelle, with naming yourself as a Japanologist and just, yeah, posting about things about that or whatever it is you feel like, but yeah, name Name that space. I've claimed the space of being like the podcast manager for people in Japan. And it's just been really amazing that the way that um, people have responded to that. And I've had people approaching me from all over the world. It doesn't matter that they're not in Japan. (laughs) I have clients all over the world now. But yeah, LinkedIn has definitely been uh, very, very useful. And so don't shy away from getting started there, although it can be a bit slow to start with. Once you get going, right, get a bit of momentum, mm-hmm. things start yeah. to happen. So tell me, what does a Japanologist do? This is a Japanologist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what
0: does this Japanologist
1: Deep dives into research. So I read a lot, you know, not quite as much as, as I would like to having two little kids at home. Defining <laughs> the time to read can, mm. can be a little difficult. But, yeah, just reading anything and everything I can get my hands on about the things about Japan that interest me, which changes as i've said but at the moment particularly has been japanese mythology mm. classic japanese literature and so i sort of i'm rereading the tale of genji right now actually i'm not sure if you've ever read it but it is a massive I it's have a tried. massive
0: book i have tried oh my goodness i this actually owned it, yeah. Yeah, oh, owned it at one point yeah third attempt yes yeah. no this is the third time to read it through <laughs> oh, you've read it through. I don't think I've made it through. That's the problem. I owned it and I had my own copy and it's, yeah, massive. And I think I sold it for a very good price on Amazon because (laughs) then I was like, I'm not ever going to read this. It's too hard. But you've made made it through it three times. That's amazing. Yep.
1: Yep. Love it. Love
0: it. For those who don't know the tale of Genji, tell us about the tale of Genji.
1: Sure. So it's considered the world's very first novel.
0: Oh, wow. Really? Oh.
1: Yes written in the Japanese Han period. So that's 795, I think, to 1184, Around there. a particular yeah. piece in Japan. And that's sort of when Japanese culture really came into its own, where they stopped taking bits and pieces from China um, and Korea. And they really just developed a really beautiful, flourishing culture of Japanese art. So poetry and... Um, all kinds of of beautiful things and in the Japanese court in in Kyoto, the capital that was moved there. And so this woman, Murasaki Shikibu, which is how she's known, it's her appellation, but it's not her real name, is credited with having written this massive 54-chapter novel. And it centers on a protagonist named Hikaru Genji, who is a prince turned commoner by his emperor father. And so he sort of spends his whole life chasing his dreams that have been, have been dashed, have been taken away from him before they can ever be realized of becoming the top of of the political.
0: uh, Food chain.
1: (laughs) The top of the food chain. Exactly. Right. Um, But really what it is, is it's less about him and more about the women around him so he is a bit of a rake and he mm-hmm. um, like many men in, in the aristocracy in that period had multiple wives multiple girlfriends he's constantly in a fling with someone professing his love and all these women in all of their different circumstances are just so well developed characters are so well developed and it just gives a really great picture of what life was like at that time for a woman in the court and um, what we know about Japanese history in the Heian period today a lot of it comes actually from this, novel mm. it's wonderful so there's a lot to be learned there book by women about women for women but it's really for everyone
0: right and with sort of disguised with this Hikaru Genji is the main protagonist potentially yes. right which ideal potentially man potentially why it survived or you know became so popular with this. yeah okay interesting and I know there's a shrine the Murush- Murasaki Shikibu kind of shrine right in Shiga next to Biwako. Okay. Isn't there. So are you talking Have you been
1: about there? are you ta- you're not talking about Ishiyama Dera at the temple.
0: Maybe I am. It's, okay. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's where she like wrote a lot of it or something. Yes, that, it where she wrote a lot of it. That's right. Yeah, I've been there. Um it's really beautiful, beautiful shrine or temple, sorry, temple. Yes. Um and it's funny that you ended up in Shiga on your jet program. Was that just a happy coincidence or you
1: know I really wish I had had this interest when I was on jet because I feel like it was such a wasted opportunity Right. (laughs) where I was here. I was regretting that I wasn't put somewhere like Osaka because that Ah, was where my now husband was located and thinking, oh, we're so far away. There's nothing to do. And she got out in the middle of nowhere. But really, if I had known then what I know now, I know we say Mm. that to ourselves all Mm. our lives, but yeah, I think I could have made a lot more of it
0: right right okay so you didn't necessarily appreciate didn't, at the time
1: no, i didn't then
0: <laughs> and we didn't have google so much back then right or potentially right oh, and <laughs> oh.
1: it wasn't as great as it, as it is now that's for yeah sure.
0: yeah okay interesting i just sort of noticed that connection there i was thinking oh is that how it all started but it wasn't okay you oh, were wishing you were in Osaka more exciting <laughs> and and things but you were actually in the kind of hometown of your of one of the heroes of Japanese literature. <laughs> Murasa, yeah, Shikivu, history. Right? Yeah, so much went on there, right? It's such an amazing yes. place. I love Shiga and the Be- Lake Biwa because it's a big lake. Mm-hmm. And I can come from, like, I'm a lakeside child. So I just grew up around lakes. So when I got to uh, see Lake Biwa, I was like, oh, I could live here. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Anywhere at the lake, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm open to it. So yeah, very interesting. So I really love how you have taken, like you said, taken charge of your professional development in this year. And, you know, when you notice that you weren't quite making the most potentially of being in Japan. Right? right. And I know that days can go by without doing anything particularly to make the most of, where I live, which is in Japan. And loads of people would love to be living in Japan, but I'm living just my daily life. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. take advantage of the things that I could. And I think that's the same with a lot of listeners. And so, yeah, you do have uh, these times where you come across, where you come when you notice, right. That like, Oh, I'm, am I living my best life? Am I, <laughs> am I making progress? And you notice that about yourself and taking an Uh, charge of that so what does that look like for for you today this year what does taking charge of your professional development look like
1: such a great question you know I think it goes back to actually when we were in lockdown in COVID Um, kind of what saved me during that time is that I was already comfortable in my job Um, I was actually on maternity leave for a good majority Mm. of that period so I wouldn't have been like leaving my house anyway and I think I just kind of Posted through it where a lot of people were really struggling. And that is not to say that we didn't have our fair share of struggles in my house because we did. Mm -hmm. But I think it also gave me a lot of time to think about when I go back to this job, what do I really want from it? And I think what I learned in that time was that I had already gotten everything from it that I was going to get. And going back and being there for um, a little over a year again, and I just felt so stale. Mm. you know I wasn't feeling like really connected to the work anymore um and took had to take a really big step back and think about why that was and I think it's just because I simply um I got the first job I was offered when I came back here
0: right
1: I was in the U.S. for five years between Jet and this job and I worked at a publishing company did my master's had my first baby while I was uh the end of that program and then after that had no plan necessarily Mm -hmm. what to do after. Um and then long story short, sort of had to come back to Japan. My husband had to come back. And so we followed here. And I just um, was in a tough spot and so took the very first job I could get. And it just wasn't as fulfilling as well I guess I didn't really expect it to be terribly fulfilling, but I always kind of expected that it would lead me to the next thing as you know jobs have so often done in my past. But Mm had to really reassess what it was I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, and where I wanted to go, because if I'm going to be here for the foreseeable future, I just thought, you know what, I just think I just need to do something entrepreneurial. Teaching as an ALT was fun when I was in my 20s, but it wasn't necessarily um, the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And working in an office is just really not for me. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. So if I was going to do something entrepreneurial and I was going to chase that research dream because I've been wanting to get into independent research for some time, I just had to sit and think about what I wanted that to look like and decided, you know, if I really want to teach my research at the university level, if that opportunity is not coming to me, I just have to make the opportunity for myself. So I open to the tale of Genji again. I started reading again. I found a book club through the Japan Society of Boston that meets once a month and we discuss it. And that's been fabulous and has given me so many wonderful ideas. I took a bunch of online courses over the past year. I pretty much set the last six months aside to sort of work on my own professional development, rebrand myself, You say, name and change your situation. And Mm. So this original love of traditional Japan and literature and things that I sort of fed with my master's degree is sort of, um, by extension, now become a dream to an entrepreneurial venture. And that is to create a bunch of online courses Hmm. on Japan um, that I'm going to create and produce and put out there for myself, for anybody who might be interested in learning the things that I love to learn about.
0: Yeah, so what kind of things are going to be in these courses, do you think?
1: Yeah, so there are a lot of things um, sort of in the planning stages right now still. Um, the first, I'd love to do a course on the tale of Genji. Yeah. So as you said, um, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to pick up and read through. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But with some guidance, I think it can actually be really interesting. So that's that's number one on my list, for sure. Cool. Um, in the past year, I'm not sure if you are aware, there was actually an anime that came out. I haven't watched anime for years, but it was on... The Tale of the Heike, on Monogatari, 30 And it's the mm. best anime I've ever seen in my life. Mm. The best. But, you know, watching it, I was always thinking, you know, somebody watching this for the first time, no background knowledge, would probably be very lost as to what's going on. And I don't envy the people that had to translate those subtitles for that show into English, (laughs) that would have been difficult. Sure, Love to do a course on that too. Um, But the other one that I have planning and development right now is actually a course on Japanese mythology. So I'm not sure if you're Mm. familiar with the Kojiki. Uh, So Record of Ancient Matters, it's actually sort of like, Mythology of Japan. So it has the Japan creation story and it tells all about gods and heroes and monsters. Um, And it's one of the coolest books I've ever read. And I can't believe I didn't know about it until I was in my 30s. It's not something I think that's terribly well known outside Mm -hmm. of more academic circles on Japan studies. Sure. But I think it's something that everybody who has any sort of interest in Japan. Really like, or anybody who's interested in fantasy, fantasy or fiction, because mm-hmm. it reads that way.
0: Right, fascinating. I mean, I also studied uni- at university Japanese and things, but I think it was kind of wasted on me at that age. I think I should probably get, do a redo now. Mm-hmm. I think I would have a lot more <laughs> appreciation <laughs> for what I'm actually studying. Um, yeah, and that the kojiki like, like making that accessible to people that sounds really really fascinating and just knowing more about yeah this country that we live in that hasn't necessarily been very accessible to people until now unless you have an extremely high level of japanese and and as you said like this tale of genji is something i would love to be able to read but yeah, I'm not going to get through that by myself. But if there was like, yeah, a group of people who were reading it together and you, for example, you were guiding us, that would be super fun. And it would be really, really interesting. So I'm going to ask to check in on you about this in the future. that <laughs> This definitely yeah. gets made, right? We need this. And yeah. And what a great community of people that would spring up around these courses that you're going to have if you're working through them together. So, yes, I love that idea, and I love that you, you know, didn't find what you were wanting in front of you, but you went out and you decided, okay, what would that look like, and can I make it myself? And it turns out you can, because you know Japan is not always going to provide you, and this is not just for Michelle, for anyone <laughs> listening, is oh, not yeah. going to provide you with everything. Right? We cannot get everything from live from this one country, I feel. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make it yourself sometimes, or you have to just decide, okay, what would it look like? What do I need? What's missing? Oh, okay. I'm not getting the professional development I need in my job. You know, if it was great for a starter, but I've I've outgrown it. So what do I need? What does that look like now? Oh, look, I live in, in my case, Fukushima. There's no jobs for foreigners outside of English Mm. teaching here. Um, Good luck but it doesn't matter i've still created my own job that i can do from fukushima so i have the best of both worlds now but i didn't expect it to be just waiting for me yeah You might just need to take it into your own hands a little bit. And look what happens when you take action. I'm sure since you've started this process, loads of things have happened to you, right? Like opportunities have come across your path, or you've met new people, or something's happened, right? As soon as you took a step, whatever that looked like. Do you have any stories like that?
1: Well, this is one. <laughs> so right. Totally. This podcast yeah. with you. I never would have had this opportunity without having taken charge this past year and and you know really getting back on LinkedIn and and utilizing it for all it's worth and learning how to do it like mm-hmm. the right way. Right. Yeah. 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 No. I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and every time somebody does, I always say to my husband, "I'm not sure why this person thinks I'm so interesting because I don't think I'm very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at self promotion. Terrible mm-hmm. at it." Um I always just have this fear that you know oh what if you know uh, I can't possibly be as interesting or as great as as these people seem to think I am and I think a lot of that stems from having imposter syndrome. I know that's something that a lot of people experience but I think if you can just recognize that within yourself and say you know it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what I think. If other people think that I have something interesting to say and they want to connect with me then I want to explore that. Mm. And it's been really good for my, actually for my self-esteem too. I don't, mm. I wouldn't consider myself to have an ego, <laughs> but um, mm. if I had one, it certainly
0: would have been stoked by this. Sure. <laughs> and that's the thing that, like, you know, I'm sure in your academic circles, there are these like daisenseis of people who know everything. But the fact is they may not be able to explain Japanese cultural history like you can because you're at the start potentially towards the start and your journey of being someone who teaches about Japan, but that's more accessible to me, who knows nothing, right? So there's so many levels to being able to help people and quite often just being a little, like you mentioned, knowing a little bit more about something is enough to help people to get to that next level or to pique their interest or move on to to, yeah, picking up Genji and reading it, whereas it just sat on their dusty shelf for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, you struggle with self-promotion and or self-doubt. And you said that um, actually your Japanese co-workers have been mm-hmm. helping you with this. Tell me about that, because I would yes. have said it's like the Americans totally having the helping the Japanese person with their self-promotion <laughs> and self-doubt. Surely it's the other way around. But yeah, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting. When I started the job that I'm in now at Kansai University, I was working with only uh, other Japanese in a very uh, small office. I'm still working in a very small office with almost all Japanese people. But Mm -hmm. um, one of the hardest things for me to do is open up about myself and talk with other people about myself. I know a Mm -hmm. lot of people love Talk about themselves, but it's actually really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but as I sort of got closer with some of these co workers, and they're some of the best people I've ever worked with, I have to say, one of the best things about this job is the people I work with. Mm -hmm. Um, they got to know a little bit more about me. So when I mentioned, Oh, you know, I did the master's degree and I had my son right before I graduated, and I would get the very typical, and, you know, wow, that's amazing. It's incredible. I can't believe you did that. And I just would say to myself, really? I just, you know, I didn't think very much of some of the things that I have done at right. the time I was doing them. But whenever I would say them, say these things to my coworkers, I'd always be met with this kind of reaction. I just kind of brushed it off as another one of those, oh, wow, you you eat natto. Oh, you can use chopsticks instead yeah, of, you use, know, typical yeah, things yeah. that people are very used to hearing when they've been here for any length of time. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, um, I gained some very deep friendships with a couple of my coworkers. And one of them, who recently left the job last year, told me uh, in a very tearful letter goodbye letter that she read out loud to me um, You are the reason that I decided to do professional development after I went home from work, even though I was tired because I saw what you were doing Mm. and I wanted to be more like you. And it led to her finding her dream job. And it was something she thought she could never do because this was her coming back to work after having spent years off um, to raise her children. Right. And I was just in tears after this. Uh, wow. I never expected somebody to say something so lovely to me. And I never expected that just our conversations, our friendly conversations would have inspired her to do that because she never mentioned it to me. I think right. that's very Japanese of it her is. not to have mentioned it.
0: Totally. Um,
1: and another co said yeah. to me, you know, um, I decided to go back and get my MBA because I thought, you know, I'm a father and I have a child at home and I'm working full time. There's no way I can do it. But when you told me that you were working full time and you were going to school and you had a baby, I thought, well, if she can do it, then I guess I can try too. And so now he's getting his MBA.
0: Oh my and another co
1: worker, yeah, another co worker told me, you know, Michelle, I never really understood my true value until you repeat it to me constantly on a daily basis, just reminding me that I'm a valuable person at work and that I do good work. And now she's decided that she's going to. Pursue her next step in her dream, and she's going to find a job that pays her what she is worth. And I, and you know, and all of these things have come to me in the past couple of weeks, and I just find myself thinking, you know, I never really set out in these conversations to inspire people. And mm. I, I just don't know what it is, but I'm so I'm so happy that they told me that they feel this way. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people are always comfortable sharing those sort of deep feelings and deep thoughts. And I don't know that we necessarily always um, imagine Japanese people to be that way. I think there's a, you know, sort of a very stereotypical image of them being not less emotional, but maybe less open. Mm. Um, but for all of my Japanese co-workers to have been so open with me was just really moving and and made me think to myself, well, maybe I do have a lot more to offer other people if this is something that I have unintentionally inspired in others. And yeah, it was just a really, really lovely thing to have had
0: Mm. happen. Yeah, I think like obviously you built trust with them through doing good work, and then just quietly went about your thing. You weren't like, "Oh, from tomorrow, I'm running a marathon, and I'm, gonna, I'm super mum," and you know, like mouthing off about all of this. This is what led them to be able to trust you, right? Like if you'd gone in a very overt way, said, "Oh, yes, and I and I've done this and I've done that," they wouldn't have perhaps felt that they could let you know about this. But because it was done more you know, you said, I I don't share so easily about myself, mm. right? Then you hadn't overshared and like freaked them out, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You over, know, time, slowly yeah, over time, you know, slowly over time. And, you know, I don't know how many years you've had this job, but I imagine it's a few years now, right?
1: Oh yeah, almost four.
0: Four years, right? Mm-hmm. So over the four years, they've trusted, learned to trust you and they've been inspired by watching you go about doing these things right your actions have inspired them and in a very japanese way like the the person who was leaving wrote you that letter yeah right like how many people would write like you know western foreign or like let's just be general here foreigners would write a uh, an extremely emotional letter to someone to say goodbye when they were leaving a position nobody Right. right but in japan that can is a sort of a a standard way that you're allowed to express your emotions is through a heartfelt letter. And yeah, to get one of those is really, it's it's just an amazing feeling, right. That you would never get in different in a different country, potentially what a beautiful experience. Yeah. It was.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Top three best experiences I've ever had (laughs) living in Japan.
0: Wow. And how great that you have inspired them to go on and, and, and make a choice to enjoy their life too right that's what you've done by choosing to enjoy your life in japan they've set up and gone oh well if michelle can do this surely i can do this too
1: inadvertently yeah but it's Mm, wonderful it's a wonderful feeling
0: yeah i had something similar happen to me exact same thing decided to take a take control of my life here in fukushima make it my own. And all of the, my Japanese friends sat up and started noticing very quickly. They're like, how are you doing this? How are you, why are you so happy? <laughs> you know, like yeah. well, How are you, how is it that you're doing all these events and creating these things? And I was like, cause I decided I would. And they were like, Oh, yeah. that was as simple as that. And, and actually, you know, of course it wasn't easy, but it was as simple as making that decision to, to start that one step, and okay, what's the next step? So yeah, I'm very excited to see what's going to be the next step and the next step after oh, really for cool. you, Michelle, as we oh, go along. <laughs> yeah, this is just the start, and it's great that we're recording it this now because now we've got it, like recorded, like.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yeah. so I'm gonna check
0: back on. Yes, you'll be able to go back and listen to yourself in a year or two and go, oh my goodness you knew nothing. Look at me now. You know, they, <laughs> it's a, a great line in the sand, right? Yeah. This is yeah, where so we are. True. This is the start point. This is where we're going forward from here. Mm-hmm. And I know you have two, two, is it two little kids? Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. And starting out on your entrepreneurial journey and there's a lot to learn, but that's the great thing about, you know, having kids and being an entrepreneur, you can do both, but it just might be a little bit slower than you know, if you're only doing one, absolutely, but, yeah, yeah. And I love that I get to be around for my kids when they need me after school, and and I don't, I can be at my computer when they're not here, enjoying myself. And when they come home, I can be, I can, you know, I don't have to, um, you know, make them do things they don't want to do, like they don't want to go to Gakudo okay you don't have to go to just come home i'm here let's have english time so yeah that's that's a really great thing for especially foreign mums who want their kids to be speaking english as well right in the future so thoroughly uh encourage and entrepreneurialism amongst us foreign women here in Japan. And there's so many of us doing amazing things. You only have to go through the podcast list and look and see all the people doing good things. So if you're feeling inspired by listening to Michelle today, just check back through um, even just last week's episode with Dr. Laura and the things that she's getting up to with sleep and helping parents with sleep. That's another one. Loads and loads of women doing amazing things. So there's no excuses anymore, really. It's just how much you're going to get in your own way as you go forward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Have
1: I you noticed to use that? that? time
0: you... That you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you noticed yourself getting in your own way? Oh, constantly. <laughs> how do you get in your constantly. own way? I know I do it as well. No one will. No one wants to listen to my podcast. Was a great one that I had. Yes. Yeah. What about yeah. you?
1: Mine was nobody's going to care about anything I have to say.
0: Online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it
1: can be really intimidating when you look at other experts and say oh well they know so much about this okay well do they know about that because you know a little bit about that Mm. you can talk about that but yes taking that step that first step as you said to just start putting yourself out there and just Mm. do it
0: in Um, your voice yeah like yeah I don't want to hear like the big snore like snorific sensei like this is boring sensei right I want to hear it from Michelle because you know she's young and interesting compared to you know dai sensei or whatever so yeah own that and and put your voice out there and like you said nobody wants to have hear what I say or is not interested in what I have to say um have you found that to be true no <laughs> right totally <laughs> That's not true the thing. <laughs>
1: yeah how are you gonna know it's not true unless you try yeah. I love that that um anecdote that you'll never win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket so Mm -hmm. this is me buying my ticket and you know and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen and that's okay because I'm not wasting my time on something I'm not interested in you know it's something I would have done for myself anyway so consider it consider it trying to do something more with a hobby
0: yeah exactly and I think what people sort of think is like when I get to point x I'll be happy it's like that's not actually true if you're not happy on your way to point x you will not be happy when you get to point x so mm-hmm. yeah definitely enjoy what you're doing and the results are not actually your business like what happens next is just what's going to happen just do your bit which might be writing an article or putting out a podcast or launching a course and the results will will happen like that's not up to you yeah do your bit and mm-hmm. enjoy it yeah and yeah, then by the time it. one day you'll be at point X and you'll be like, damn, that was a good journey. <laughs> you know, well, I, I really so. enjoyed the journey to get here. And that's the whole point because it ain't any happier at the end of the journey, right? You've right. got to enjoy it on the way. All righty. Yeah. So tell us how, like people have been listening to this and go, yes, I want to I learn more about the tale of Genji. Yes. I want to learn about Japanese mythology. Shall, sign me up. How do I? How do I get into these (laughs) things that are coming in the near future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have um, a landing page where you can find some more information and there will be more, um, more information to come, more notifications to come. So I think you'll we will have that link for everybody
0: yeah that's right we're going to put a link in the show notes go over drop off your email sign up let michelle know you're interested and she will keep you posted to when these things are coming out and i'm definitely going to join this genji one when it comes out so make sure Maybe. you let me know michelle when Absolutely. Done. do you find it motivating that you know when you know that people are waiting for you oh yeah light the yeah? fire light the fire <laughs> okay excellent so if, always
1: get done faster if there's something
0: yeah 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 uh, and it's not motivation not motivating for everyone but like if you're like sort of i think it's about 60 percent of people it is incredibly motivating to know that someone's waiting for you right so yeah yeah. i will be signing up for this tale of genji course when that's ready so make sure you let me know thank you well it's been really lovely getting to know you more today michelle and hearing about how you have transitioned you know your life from Finding, Pokemon, finding out about Pokemon through to thinking you might start a course about the tale of Genji for people to learn more about it that's really really an amazing journey and we're so glad to have you as part of our Transformations with Jane community and foreign women here in Japan and really want to see more of us reaching our potential here in Japan and not just like blaming Japan that we're we're not happy and we're not living our best lives here yeah so thanks so much for coming on the show today likewise thank you so
1: much Jane it's been a pleasure
0: and we'll have to get you back on in the future and check in with how it all went yeah absolutely thank you (laughs) okay (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the interview with Michelle Fuji I really love how she took control of situation when she noticed it didn't feel good anymore or there was something missing and it's easy to just sort of expect other people to sort it out for you or blame it on Japan that was one of my favorites but when you decide that you want to make a change and you make some changes then amazing things start to happen and Michelle gave us some examples of you know even just being on this podcast today she would never have imagined that someone would approach her to be on a podcast but. Even though I didn't know Michelle before I spoke to her today, I have seen her talking about things on LinkedIn. And I thought, well, she sounds like a really interesting person who's got something she really cares about. I'd like to know more. And that's why I invited her on the show. So she talked a little bit about these online courses that she's interested in getting going. So if you'd like to be the first to hear about some of them coming when they come out, make sure you go into the show notes, find the link. Leave your email and you and Michelle will let you know when things are happening for those courses. I can't wait to learn. Like yeah, to, the way she described that tale of Genji, I was like, yeah, I would never have figured that out myself. I need someone to help me with this, but I would love to be able to say that I have read one of the yeah most f- famous works from Japan and also the other one that she mentioned um, with the mythology and all that. It sounds really really fascinating. I would love for it to be more approachable than perhaps uh, what I remember from my own studies at university where things were very cryptic. So that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. I have another episode coming with Jo, one of my team members. Looking forward to having her on the show. So look out for that next week, next episode. We'll see you then. Mm Bye-bye.